What's up, everybody? It's Stephanie. So this is kind of the Make It Work podcast, kind of not. We are posting Morgan's episode from Good Morning Liberty's Rehumanizing Project. They are currently interviewing people with different political beliefs, having them come on, explain how they feel, where their views came from, things like that. It's an amazing project. I'm already so proud of Charlie and Nate all the time and their hustle and how hard they work and they want to better the world. But this project is very, very cool. And I'm also very proud of Morgan for going on the podcast since they're libertarians and lean a lot more conservative than her. She went in and explained her views, was very confident, had a great conversation. I enjoyed listening to it. And I think just about anybody would. I I know that we are truly trying to open up the floor to discussion of people who think differently than you. And I love Morgan and we don't see eye to eye on everything. But I also think that that makes my world a better place because she teaches me all kinds of stuff all the time, including in this episode. I hope you guys enjoy. We miss you. We'll see you next week. Adios. This is the Rehumanizing Project from Good Morning Liberty. Today, we're bringing you guys a great conversation from Morgan Kay, who was actually the best friend of Charlie's girlfriend, Stephanie, so knew her a little bit beforehand, or Charlie did anyway. Morgan considers herself to be a liberal, so this is the first one that we've done with someone who has kind of the opposite political opinion on uh, almost everything that we talk about. It was a great, really, really great way to listen to how the other side thinks, if you want to think of it that way. Don't really want to think of it as an opposing side because we actually have a lot in common when it comes to our core beliefs, more so than I think anyone really ever cares to admit or realize there's a lot in common. So, If you want to learn how to, uh, I guess, think about things from a different point of view, to learn how people who you have disagreements with, where they might actually be coming from, this is a great, a great conversation for that. And I just want to say it. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking to someone that has different ideas. It was great to get outside of the echo chamber. So give this a listen. It's a lengthy episode, but of course, that's what it needs to be if you want to actually have a real conversation about all this stuff. So give it a listen. And of course, subscribe to the podcast. Do all those great things that you need to do to keep this podcast going. And I'll go ahead and throw in right now. Check out Morgan and Stephanie's podcast. Make it work on all of your podcast apps. Here we go. My name is Morgan Kay. I am on this podcast because my best friend is Stephanie, who's Charlie's girlfriend. Um, And we use your podcast equipment. So thank you. I'm 28. I'm from Pennsylvania. I'm a nurse here in Lancaster, which is kind of south central Pennsylvania. 
but I grew up mostly in the Philadelphia suburbs and I was born in Philly. So go Flyers. Got two English Bulldogs. I'm a liberal, question mark. <laughs> you know, I was totally okay with doing this until you told me about the Bulldogs and uh, it was bad enough being the Philly, uh, the whole Philly thing because I've grown up my whole life. Um, hating the Eagles. I would never do a podcast like this about football fans because I don't want to get along with them at all. So, um, but I guess you're, you're talking at least flyers. You said the flyers. Yeah. yeah at least you said flyers, not the Eagles. But the only thing that we can do to get past this is what would you say is the best place to get a, a, a cheesesteak over there in Philly? Jim's on South street. Okay. All right. Jim's on South street is the best. Pat's and Gino's are overrated. Steve's you need to order double meat in order to make it worth it. It's super expensive. Jim's on South street. Jim's on South street. Hey, you yeah. heard it here. <laughs> I tried to go to the Pat's and Gino's one time, but we were in a tour bus with a trailer and there's nowhere to park over there. And so we went to, um, Oh crap is a place that has, there's like a big Aldi in the, in the, in the parking lot behind it. So we could park the whole thing. And um, really good place. Tony Luke's. That's what it was. Um, yeah. It was pretty good. I was there with you all. I remember that. It was that. better than all the cheesesteaks anywhere else I've been from. But uh, that's all I know. Yeah, it's not really easy to get a good cheesesteak down south. I remember Steph and I in middle school. It was Philly Cheesesteak Day. And I was so excited. And I didn't pack my lunch. And I was jonesing for a Philly cheesesteak. And I got to the cafeteria. And it was like a slab of meat on bread like a piece of american <laughs> cheese on top of it i was like what the fuck is this you end up you threw up everywhere going and then i threw up everywhere yeah <laughs> going up there and getting some I, I will say my family thinks i make the best philly cheesesteaks in the whole world and it's literally just because i dump a bunch of cheese whiz in it and no one around here knows that that is a thing that you can do <laughs> they all put like some kind of crappy swiss cheese on it or something like that and you got to put that, you got to put the cheese whiz in there. It's just not, it's not any good. It really is. You got to order your cheesesteak with whiz, with <laughs> onions, with cheese whiz. That's the only way to do it. It's the leaning tower of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> cheese whiz. People will say it's not cheese, but it's the perfect cheese, I think. <laughs> or steak. Well, <laughs> if you're feeling sad, it comes out of the can. It's fun. So you talked about you talked about uh, growing up in Philly. Like, um, give us some of your, uh, I guess, favorite things to do. Maybe as a kid or uh, now as an adult. Um, you know, what's what's something that could define Morgan as far as her hobbies and interests are concerned? Up until this pandemic hit, my dad and I would go to most of the Flyers games in Philly. He has season tickets. Um, so that was always a big part of my life up until the beginning of this year. It's kind of weird not going. Um, I like to read a lot. I go on walks and I listen to podcasts. I took, you know, five or six dance classes a week growing up and ran track in high school. And I guess a big part of my life growing up and part of the reason that I lean the way that I do politically is because I am Jewish. Both of my parents are Jewish. Um, I grew up in a very Catholic area. All my friends from, you know, kindergarten and first grade left me in third grade to go to Catholic private high school. And so I was in Sunday school on Sundays and Hebrew school on Tuesdays, you know, every week from the time. I was in third grade up until my sophomore year of high school. So that was a big part of my life growing up. 
And I wouldn't really ever say that I'm religious or that I ever was religious. It's kind of more of a cultural thing for me and my family. It's like food and comedy and anxiety. (laughs) That's kind of it. What is it about uh, being Jewish that would make you lean that way or, or about the way that you grew up that would make you lean that way? You know, the way that I describe Sunday school to most people is, you know, half of it, you know, is learning about the culture, the history, the Jewish holidays and what they're all about and how we celebrate them. And then the other half is literally just the Holocaust. Mm. Holocaust is bad. We can never let it happen again. This is what led to it. This is what happened during, excuse me, this is what happened during it. Um, This is what people didn't do to help. Um, And this was the outcome. And never again, never again, never again. That is just like shoved into your skull from a young age. And, you know, right now, honestly, I see (laughs) some things that I'm uncomfortable with and I hear things that I'm uncomfortable with as far as prejudice goes. And when I watch the news or I read things online, if you kind of replace the word Mexican or the word black with Jew, it gets kind of fishy for me. And it, I'm scared, really, for those groups of people. And then eventually for me, because, you know, if something happens to one group of people, it can easily happen to another. So it's that it's, you know, it comes from a fear, really, unfortunately, as opposed to facts and figures, but it just like strikes this this chord in me that I can't seem to shake. (laughs) And it bothers me a lot. And, you know, I remember in 2016, 2017, in newspapers, there were like caricatures of Mexican people like running towards the border like rats. They were like, it's rats trying to get into our country and out of their country. And that's like literally the same thing that was going on in Germany in the thirties and the forties. It was like, you know, rats with yarmulkes and big nose trying to get out of the country and into America. So that's kind of mostly where my left leaning views stem from and where they go. I always say, you know, I'm happy to have a conversation with everyone about their taxes and the economy and your money and the size of the government, you know, once my priorities are kind of met. And that goes that goes towards, you know, human rights in my eyes, respecting people based off of, you know, the fact that they're human, like you're talking about here, gay rights, women's rights, all that stuff. And then once I get my way, I'm happy to talk about stocks and the economy (laughs) and taxes and all that stuff is important. But I think the main thing and what I think you guys are really honing in on here is that my my priorities are probably different than yours as far as my political leanings go. We've led completely different lives. We're from completely different cultures. And so my priorities are just different. You and in and in, you know. In essence, what you're saying is we can talk about other important matters as long as we ensure that we don't uh, have Holocaust number two first. Right. right. And right. that's like one does that would you say that's your biggest fear? You know, I I think that we as a country and a planet are in a 
better place than we were in the 1930s as far as, you know, spread of information goes, which is the most important thing. And people recognizing that something fucked up is going on and saying something against it. Um, obviously, there are horrible things happening in other parts of the country, with scare- which or other parts of the world, um, which scare me and kind of makes me think there's a potential. But I don't see Holocaust 2.0 happening in America. <coughs> I just would love to prevent it because I feel like it is possible. A, a big thing, I think, that happened in the 30s and 40s. Uh, was that not as many people knew exactly what was going on. I know a lot of people did know what was going on, but it, it definitely, you might get a paper that had a picture and some pictures and stuff in it. You don't get a constant live stream of social media of every single thing that was happening. So I do, I do also hope that that is something that could help prevent. That might be something we could put in the benefit column of social media and the things that we have right now um, against a whole lot of other uh, detriments for sure because the the propaganda isn't as easily believed um and you know history wise it's very interesting studying the the weimar republic and uh you know the the crash of the german uh economy and you know hitler's rise to power and how they painted uh the jews as the evil people who was stealing everybody's money to begin with and then they created a they created the the jewish people as the enemy of everyone else's um prosperity so to speak and and then what they were able to do after that uh not what they were able to do but the atrocities that they that they uh, took after that were just unbelievable do you have any um i guess do you have any ones you're willing to share publicly uh we'll say that first <laughs> um do you have do you have any experiences with prejudice or um anything like that because you're jewish um not anything you know life altering or traumatizing it's just little things here and there people you know i'm like people's first jew a lot of the time especially because i did live in nashville for a couple of years no one had ever met a jewish person before it was like this shiny little object and um people trying to save me that was pretty frequent when i lived down there um to jesus to, yeah, I need Jesus, <laughs> I guess, according to some people. Um, but, you know, like little Jew jokes here and there, like what's the difference between a pizza and a Jewish person? You know, the Jew screams when you put it in the oven, that kind of bullshit growing up, um, which is insensitive. But, you know, I'm also not the type of person that is uh, quick to apologize if I make a joke that offends someone. So I. <laughs> try not to take that stuff to heart <coughs> but nothing nothing really ridiculous stands out i've gotten in a couple instagram arguments with people before but who hasn't you know yeah i mean that's I, just a but, thing uh, <laughs> yeah i've had to um like delete some things i've said on instagram because it's like not nice but <laughs> one of the other important things that kind of goes along with this is that um, on my dad's side of the family, my dad is from England. So like immigrant <laughs> issues, it's England, but it's still, you know, um, and his, both of his parents were in London during the blitz during world war two. And so they kind of came out of that completely differently. You know, my 
Nana on my dad's side has, you know, horrible PTSD and talks about it all the time. And one of the things that I will express here is that she does see differences between America now and England back then, where people are paying attention and people are speaking up. And so she's worried the same way that I am, but she thinks that we're in a much better place than we were before. And my grandfather on my dad's side was like, oh, yeah, we used to play in the rubble after the bombings. Like, it was just what we did. So I kind of come from that as well. Like, you know, I'm related directly to people who were in the midst of extreme violence like that. And, you know, my Nana had to get like sent off to foster family for her own safety and all of that shit. So it is something that has just kind of been in my life since birth, something that I've always talked about with my family and with anyone who will listen, really. So I think that cultural part is kind of the main reason that I come from where I do. And also the fact that, you know, I'm a a woman of of reproductive age who is also freaked out that my rights may be taken away in regards to birth control access and abortion. And, you know, that's also something that my World War II surviving grandmother is all about as well. It's as we go through some of these things, I'll just say it, you don't frustrate me. What frustrates frustrates me is being a libertarian and all the things that you're saying. Um, I uh, agree with all of those things. And so I'm like, yeah, I also don't think uh, there need to be any laws on, on, I, I don't think that the government needs to make any laws about abortion, specifically me. I'm not speaking for Charlie. And, um, we've, control. we've, we've given speeches at libertarian conventions and started off by talking about the Holocaust and how it led, uh, what led up to the Holocaust and what led up to the things that happened, of course, and, and all of the other countries of, as well that have had, uh, really, really massive amounts of people. Uh, killed by their by their governments tyranny yeah ju- just in general and so when when you talk about these things it's um it's interesting to me because we've we've literally given speeches and talked about those things and we and we talk also about the reproductive uh rights and and at least to the extent that we don't think the government has a lot of business being involved in it and it makes me frustrated that we just have it seems like these two options all the time that we can only go back and forth between these these two things. Do you ever wish that there were just more options that were readily available that you could hear about and not just these two sides of every single issue? Yeah, absolutely. And I was talking to my dad about this when I like scheduled this appointment to come on and speak with you two. And he was like, Morgan, you're a libertarian. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Like, relax. And... You know, I have been doing a little research since since I scheduled this interview with you guys about um, the libertarian platform, and it all sounds great. You know, it's like, of course, everyone should have the right to do with their bodies and love who they want. And of course, everyone should have the right to, you know, run their businesses the way they see fit. And, you know, of course, of course, of course. Um Right now in this political environment, I just, I feel like 
I have to veer left because I feel like we are so (laughs) in a weird fucking spot. Like we're not even really right because I don't think that Trump is a legitimate conservative as far as, you know, economic policies go. He's definitely not that. Yeah. He's like (laughs) kind of full of shit about everything. I don't think he has any actual beliefs at at all to tell you the truth. Yeah. I think that's probably the best way to put it is that he does not have any beliefs at all, except like me, me, me. Unfortunately, it's a two party system. So there's, you know, push and pull on either side. And what is so annoying is that just like a simple negotiation, for example, it's like, I want to sell you something and I want a hundred dollars for it. And you're like, I'll give you 20 bucks. That's obviously a fucking low ball offer. And it's like, okay, well, a hundred maybe is a little high, blah, blah, blah. You meet in the middle. You always meet in the middle. Yeah. (laughs) And I am pro meeting in the middle, you know, but right now my point was like, I don't even know what the hell is going on. It's just totally ridiculous. We're, I feel like the country is a laughing stock to other countries, which bothers me a lot. And I feel like, you know, we just need to overcorrect for a second and then meet back in the middle. And I would love for the Libertarian Party to like be that happy medium and to, you know, be the voice of reason, honestly, when it comes to the insane negotiation tactics that the left and the right use because it's it's all about just getting what they want in the end and you kind of have to start from a extreme point in order to get what you actually want which is probably closer to the middle and if i really thought that there was a chance that we could go libertarian and we could win that way i would vote that way um and i'm you know, I've said this to my boyfriend who is now a loyal listener to your podcast. <laughs> and Thanks, I said, Thank you. <laughs> yep. Hi, Kyle. <laughs> and he, he's like, you got to listen to these guys. They have all of these facts and figures and it would really speak to you. And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, whatever. I don't want to hear it. We just got to correct it right now. And then in four years we can talk. <laughs> That's an interesting point you bring up there about viability um, essentially is what you're talking about. And, and um, it seems as, you know, you started speaking about, you said, unfortunately is right now your decision is kind of driven by fear or at least the way maybe you lean is driven by fear. And then right now everything seems so chaotic that you need a viable choice at least to switch directions uh, because you fear what could happen. Um, so if you can talk a little bit, maybe just to open up a little bit more on that um, as far as why you don't think libertarians viable and why you need that viable choice, at least to let's say, I guess thwart the fear of four more years of let's say, if let's say Trump, four more years of Trump. Yeah. I mean, it's frustrating because we, we shouldn't have a two party system to begin with. And, you know, the people who started this country warned against it from the beginning. And, you know, it sucks that we're here right now, but this is where we are. Um, I, you know, would love to see the libertarian option. Like I haven't seen a single commercial. I haven't seen a single, like, although I mean the way that I use social media, not that anything besides democratic shit would pop up, but (laughs) you know, I'm not seeing any ads coming up. 
the only reason that I know about the libertarian candidate is because of you and Steph, Charlie, honestly. And she seems really wonderful and really smart. And it's just, it sucks. It really does. She's a woman. She's a doctor and of she's psychology. A woman, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, so um, do you think that there is a problem with it? You mentioned the one little thing in there, not that, not that something like anything other than Democrat would pop up on my news feed. Do you think there's an issue with the echo chamber right now that we kind of all live in? Uh, where? Oh, I mean, it's total fucking bullshit. It's like you, you're in your bubble and you can remove the people that are outside of your bubble and block the things that are outside of your bubble. And that way, when you're looking on your phone, it's everything that you agree with. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. <laughs> I totally was just thinking that the other day. And, you know, it pumps me up. It does. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, yeah, I agree with you. There's people who think like me out there. Um, but that's not, that's not the way it is. It's actually insane where I live right now. I live in Lancaster City, which is, you know, I don't know if it's really a city. It's like a town, honestly. It's very mm-hmm. small. And it's, you know, Biden-Harris, Biden-Harris signs everywhere. It's impossible to escape that Lancaster City is for Biden. <laughs> and I drive out to the rural parts of Lancaster County, and which is where Kyle is from. and. Trump, 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 everywhere. Big fucking Trump flag signs in the yard, like car decals. Like it's their main personality trait trait is that, you know, they're pro-Trump. MAGA. MAGA, MAGA baby. (laughs) And, you know, that's within like a 15 mile radius of where I live. And so that's another, like Pennsylvania, like what the fuck is Pennsylvania really? It's like, Philadelphia <laughs> um, and the rest of the state in Pittsburgh. <laughs> and well, I don't really like to talk about Pittsburgh. Okay. Like- <laughs> you got, you don't claim Pittsburgh. Okay. I don't claim Pittsburgh. <clears throat> All right. Especially the penguins. <laughs> I was going to, I can't deal with the penguins. Sydney I really Crosby. can't. <laughs> so- I, hate, I hate Sidney Crosby. Yeah. People say on the left, would you think that they think the country has been veering towards the right or that the right is taking over control in some kind of way because what's interesting about that is people on the right in their echo chamber are 100% convinced that the left is taking over and we're veering way far way too far over to the left and i think that that is on us yeah and and so like people like us we're like this country has been heading hard left for a hundred years now and and there's just nothing there's just nothing we can do about it and then people on the left are like we're heading hard right right now and I wonder if that's the echo chamber that that does that, that both main sides are convinced that they're that they're losing if they don't do this right now, because this other side's going to going to take you over in some kind of way. Yeah, I mean, that's totally possible that that's just what we are hearing and what we're around and what we're exposed to so that, you know, everyone in power uses fear, really, unfortunately, to get a rise out of their base and motivate them to do things like vote. But I think, and you know, maybe it's just because this is my main issue right now, personally is it's like left, we're veering left, we're veering right. And I don't know that it's, it's as it's anything more than social issues that we're all feeling this emotional tie 
to that we're afraid of moving left or moving right. So for me, I think we're moving right because of the way that the Supreme Court looks right now. And I think we're moving right because of the Supreme Court law that just passed about, you know, birth control a couple of months ago. And I feel like we're veering right because it's literally on the Republican platform to repeal same-sex marriage. Like, what the fuck? Just let it go. And frankly, and I don't have any statistics to back this up, so don't quiz me, but I think that convenient, affordable, accessible, and safe abortion will solve a lot of our problems with it when it comes to the cycle of poverty, especially in the place that I live now in the hospital system that I work for. Um, you know, we have like a 30 something patient who's in and out constantly with two grandkids. She's 30 something, you know, it's like, you can't, <laughs> you can't have a functional life like that in this country unless, you know, you meet the right person at the right time and you stumble upon luck or there's literally nothing else going on in your life and you're able to focus solely on working and making money and nothing else bad happens between the time that you start working and the time that you find success. And I think honestly, if the right side, and I know that we weren't going to be talking about, you know, politicians and races and stuff, but there has to be a separation of church and state. You can't use the Christian Bible to sway political policies. It's ridiculous. And you just have to let the social issues go. And then, you know, people will finally fucking relax and be like, okay, well, now that the women's health issues are taken care of, now that the gay trans rights issues are taken care of, um, now I'm able to have a logical and rational conversation with you about the education system or the prison system or, you know, the way that taxes are paid in this country, because I just feel so defensive of those social issues that I can't even consider going third party or voting Republican because I need those things to be okay in this country for me, for my family, for my friends, um, for people who come after me. And I wish that we could let all of that shit go. And then we can have a rational conversation because I personally can't have a rational conversation about politics right now. I get insane. <laughs> you seem to you're, you're doing a great job right now. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. What What's interesting on the uh, a couple things. One, I would say I completely agree with you. Separation of church and state. I completely agree on that. Uh, on my side, where my fear is, is if we continue to bounce back and forth between, say, Republican and Democrat. To me, those issues are actually never going to be solved until we decide that the government needs to be a lot less powerful than what it is. Because we already had Roe versus Wade, and we're still talking about this right now. We already had a Supreme Court decision about gay marriage, and we're talking about this right now. So I don't see anyone who's going to come forward with a a solution where 10 years later, we're not just going to be talking about it again. And so the the only the only actual solution when I boil all that down is 
the freaking government's got too much power. They need to get out of my life and get out of other people's lives. Like, why are they involved in marriage? <laughs> because I, I would agree with that. The gay marriage thing, I, it's completely ridiculous. And, and one more, th one thing on that, I've got to look it up because I have a close <laughs> friend who is, uh, I have a close friend who is gay and they were saying the same thing. I follow the, you know, the Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro, Glenn Beck, I see Fox News. I follow everything so I can see all the news. I haven't seen one single thing about anyone on the right talking about gay gay marriage at all. And maybe that's my echo chamber. But I haven't. I literally, when one of my friends said something about it the other day, I was like, what are you talking about? I listen to politics 22-7, and I haven't heard a single person mention gay marriage at all. And... And so I, I need to actually look that up. That's another conversation on the echo chamber thing. Maybe maybe the uh, algorithms know that I don't want to see that. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't know. I think it's also, you know, it also just could be something that they're throwing in to appeal to the, you know, super evangelical Christian base. Like they just throw it in. It's there. It's written not really something that they're going to go after but again it's one of those you know manipulative negotiation tactics like here i'm going to dangle this in front of you because it matters to you and you hear about it in church every sunday but we're not actually going to do about it, anything about it you know when we are elected and you know that would be great if you weren't going to do anything about it when you're elected but i don't know i don't trust you <laughs> you're a politician yeah i want to go back to the to the echo chamber and and make another point and see what you think about this because i you know, I'm wondering inside of your own echo chamber, obviously you hear um, all the things that you believe in, right? Um, but also when you hear about the other side, maybe you hear only their extreme positions. For instance, Nate made the point, you know, those on the right are convinced socialism is upon us and those on the left are convinced, um, you know, authoritative um, fascism, you know, what fascism, fascism Sorry is, for talking. Is, is upon us. And so I'm wondering inside of your own echo chamber, when you hear about the other side, is it always uh, the extreme positions of the the most extreme people that may be, that may lean that direction? I think so. And that, you know, that's in like my social media echo, echo chamber. I do want to let all the listeners know that <laughs> I don't just go on Instagram and Facebook for my news. I, you know, try to find as many non-biased sources as I can. In 2016, the BBC was the only thing that didn't make me like pull my fucking hair out when I was reading about the election. Um, so I'm not completely insane, just so all of your listeners know. Um, yeah, I think so. And it's interesting that you brought up, you know, the fascism thing, because that was one thing that I wanted to talk to you guys about, because Charlie and I have had a lighthearted version of this conversation, you know, over a cheese plate the other week. Was it cheese whiz? No, there was yeah. no cheese yeah. whiz. It was all fancy cheese. <laughs> yeah. Um, cheese whiz was not included, unfortunately. But Stephanie, I know you're listening. Next time we need a can of cheese whiz. Okay, don't disappoint me. <laughs> um was like the gun conversation. I am about to be moving in with someone who has a lot of guns and is, you know, passionate about owning these guns and owning whatever kind of gun he wants to buy with his own money. What'd you say? Pal and I are going to be good friends. I think so. <laughs> a little scared. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm recently trying to get more comfortable with the idea of being in a house with guns, you know, learning how to use them because I did not grow up with them. 
I never went like shooting at a shooting range. I went skeet shooting once in like high school with a little rifle. I don't know. People around me in high school went hunting, but that was kind of the extent um, of my exposure to guns. And now I'm going to be in a house with a bunch of them and I'm scared. So I'm trying to learn and feel safe with them instead of scared. And I understand, you know, the appeal and how important the second amendment is my thing. And maybe this is part of my echo chamber is like the, the people who are super pro gun and, you know, like come out of their houses with their big guns and like have their big machine guns, like pointing at protesters and shit is they're like, we need our guns for when the government turns fascist and when, you know, we turn into a police state and we need to be able to defend ourselves from the government. And then, you know, <laughs> the fucking government attacks the people protesting and the the pro-gun people, you know, shoot the protesters instead. Like, I feel like there's, a, I'm confused because you said you were going to do one thing. You were going to protect citizens and their rights in this country and turn against a government that you know turns its police and its military on its own citizens and that's the point of having these guns that's why we need that we need them to protect ourselves and then you know just you look at portland and it's like well where were you (laughs) where were you when everyone needed you to protect them from you know a militarized police force that's such an interesting point because you know, you see a lot of, I would say, conservatives or, or those that lean right, uh, so to speak, that are big proponents of the Second Amendment and gun rights. Yet they're also huge proponents of massive uh, government, military and police and, and law enforcement. And they're the ones typically saying, well, if you have nothing to hide, then you have nothing to fear. Or they're the ones saying, if you just obey, then you know nothing bad will happen, which is completely opposite of what I would say traditional conservative conservatism believes uh, when it comes to um, when it comes to how big government operates and how easily a big government can can take your rights from you. Um, you know, as Thomas uh, Jefferson, I believe, who said um, the best government is that government which govern which govern le- governs least. And then Reagan even echoed those sentiments in the eighties um, when he talked about. Um, government being as little as possible or government doing the least amount possible. Um, said and the scariest so words that. in the English language where I'm from the government, I'm here to help. Right. Right. <laughs> and so it, it's an interesting shift. Um, uh, I think, um, and, and I, you know, I honestly see that on both sides um, with the left, I see an interesting shift in uh, they used to be so anti-war um, and then now you have several Democrats that not only supported the Iraq war, but they're continuing to support the warfare going on around the world. Um, and then you see the, the shift on the right from conservatives being scared of government to they want just as big and bad a government only to enforce what they believe in. And so it's it's this weird, you know, paradox, I think, or or almost like a paradigm shift uh, in the the principled beliefs from where those that lean left or right are coming from. I think, Um, I think when it comes down to those protesters, there's, and not to, um, you know, we, we could talk for a few hours about, about what's been going on with, uh, all the protests and everything. 
I do think there is a really big hypocritical side of people on the right that um, they want what Charlie was talking about, the big police and the big military and all that, and they want their gun rights too, and they forget that that's who's going to come get their guns from them. That's who they're going to have to fight against when that when that happens. I, I would say one thing to take into consideration there is just whether or not they they felt like that protest in that situation realized we're all getting completely different information, so I don't know what exactly... Uh, who is happening, who's throwing the Molotov cocktails first. Um, but we're all getting different information. And maybe people who have the guns think, well, those people were out there and they were the aggressors first. Like they were out there. I don't know which what situation we're talking about. They were out there burning things down first or they were out there um, blocking people from going somewhere on the road that, everyone owns equally and and that maybe they were the people that were aggressing on other people to begin with even though they have a just cause that they're fighting for because we obviously we do believe in in the cause that they're that they're protesting about um but i i would say there's a lot of people who think they were out there uh, ag- aggressing first by taking rights away in some kind of way whether or not whether it's property rights or it's the right to travel freely or if, or any of these things, and so when the police acted against them, maybe they weren't the first people who who acted. I I don't know. That's where I would say people like that would would come down. Was that that is a that's a, it's a different situation than the cops banging down your door in in Louisville and coming in and and end up killing people. Um, there's a lot of people, especially libertarians, who defend. You know, Brianna Taylor's boyfriend, uh, someone broke in his door. He he shot at the cops. Like that's what I would have done. <laughs> that's uh, that's that's yeah, that's what I would have done. If someone's the- intruding in your home, you're gonna defend yourself and your you know the person you love sleeping next to you. Yeah, that that is <laughs> the point of being a gun owner. And you said you were scared to have guns uh, around or the idea of having guns around. What's funny is then there's the other side. I'm uncomfortable without guns in my house. I'm I'm uncomfortable uh, in that situation. And so there are just truly different people. Like if I don't have that last level of protection, I sleep with a I sleep with a gun that is no more than a foot and a half away from my head while I'm asleep every single night because it makes me feel better. And and so there are there are people who can sleep easier like that if they think they hear someone break in and hopefully it's not um you know plainclothes officers or something like that when they when they come in but there are people who who feel that way about it also yeah i always say i have no survival instincts if someone <laughs> comes into my house i'm just gonna crawl into the fetal position and just kind of like take whatever well that's probably what i would do too <laughs> but the idea <laughs> yeah. I, I can't do anything to defend myself <laughs> but knowing but but knowing that you could possibly stand a chance Helps you sleep easier at night. Who knows? I mean, I don't know. Trying to learn how to load a gun and like my tiny little fingers. I couldn't even fucking put the bullets in the gun, whatever. (laughs) It's a learning curve. It's a learning curve. That's why you just keep it loaded. Yeah. Oh, God. Mine's mine's loaded, chambered, safety's on. That's that's it. But uh, you just need to point and shoot. If there's ever any kids yeah. in my house or something, we, we lock it up and put it up in the closet and stuff like well, that. Well, you saw, Morgan. I've got safes. 
I know. I see. I saw I was there. Yeah. You have to be a responsible gun owner. And, you know, I wanted to mention uh, the, I believe you were talking about the Kyle Wittenhouse uh, kid who ended up shooting a couple of protesters. You were kind of referencing that, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so, and, and I want to, I wanted to talk about that too, because um, as, as gun owners, you also have to be responsible. And although I will say that you do have the right to defend property, uh, I made it a point on our show to point out how dumb of a move that guy made. Now, watching all the video evidence, I believe he acted in self-defense. But in my opinion, he should have never been there to begin with because you just don't. To me, as a responsible gun owner, it's not your job to go up to random people, businesses and decide to protect them. I think now I'm not saying that you can't do that legally. Uh, what I am saying, though, is I don't I don't think it's a good idea. I think it's a, stupid to put yourself in that situation that you should reserve your self-defense and your defense mechanisms to uh, things that are close to you. For instance, if it was my dad's business that was trying to be burned, then, yeah, I could. Get, it would make sense for me to go down there to protect the people that I love. Uh, so I, I just think that that type of situation is unfortunate that he would make that decision anyway, but he did nonetheless, that's the reality. Uh, and so that it just becomes more of a difficult situation. I would just like to see gun owners not make that decision. I would rather see them uh, protect their own houses and their own communities and not venture off to where trouble is looking for something uh, would be, would be my stance on that. I talked extensively on that on the show. Um, so it's, it's an, you know, it's an interesting situation that happened i don't know looking at all the evidence so far that's that's made available um i don't know if you could say that he went there specifically to shoot protesters although he did come up there he went up there with a gun didn't saying he was going to protect businesses so how do you but so so that kind of leads into i wanted to go this direction what do you think you know you talked about women's issues you talked about affordable um, health care, affordable birth control, um, contraceptives, those types of things. Uh, you talked about, um, obviously, the gun situation and all that. What do you think leads to these types of things happening? Uh, for instance, why is birth control so expensive or so hard to get? Why are murders taking place and things like that? What do you think leads to all that? And then is government the best answer for that? And if it is, why? You know, my first instinct is to be like, it's Trump's fault because I hate him so much. But obviously, all of this has been happening for a long time, way before Trump was even a politician. Unfortunately, I feel like religion is weaponized a lot and used as a manipulation tactic for people who are looking for something that is going to provide them guidance and making important life choices and guidance and their morals and, um, you know, support and comfort in really hard times. And I think religion's a great thing for that. But, you know, people get power hungry, and they start to preach their agendas from, you know, up at the, I honestly don't even know what it's called in a synagogue. It's called a bima at the stage. <laughs> I don't know. The pulpit. See, the pulpit. Yeah, I should have known that. I've heard that <laughs> word before. Um, and a lot of these anti-contraception and anti-gay marriage and, you know, 
those kinds of views, I think, stem from religion being used the wrong way. And whether or not you believe those things, I don't know why everyone thinks that it's their business with everybody else. You know, if you don't like abortion and you get pregnant, don't get an abortion. No one's, you know, being being pro-choice doesn't mean pinning women down and giving them abortions that they don't want when they're pregnant. That's ridiculous. It's, you know, providing the choice and the resources in order to end a pregnancy if you so choose, um, you know, in a reasonable time frame, in my opinion. Maybe it's because I'm not Christian that I kind of look at it from a different point of view. And I'm like, they didn't teach us that, you know, in Hebrew school and Sunday school. Like when I went to services, it wasn't about birth control and gay marriage. I never heard any of those things growing up in the synagogue. It was literally, it was don't let the Holocaust happen again is the thing that I took away from it. So it's just completely different. Maybe I'm coming at it from like just a completely outside perspective. And I don't understand because I'm sure that I don't fully, I don't know what the solution is. And in my job, I see horrible things happen to good people and horrible people recover fully (laughs) and be fine. Um, And I think if you have a small government and you kind of let people be and live the way that they want and you don't have anyone intruding, the way that I see it is that people are just going to be greedy shitheads. And, you know, that's coming from my biases, too. Like, if I owned a business and there were no regulations on who I could and couldn't, you know, give my business to, if someone came in in a Trump hat, I would kick them out. I'd be like, I don't want to, I don't want your fucking business. Then it goes the other way, too. You can't have, like, that. just, it can't be, it can't be allowed. Um, And you need regulation for stuff like that. But... You know, it's just like a straight up fact that the government is inefficient and takes forever to do anything. And even when, you know, they're trying to submit a bill for some something on, you know, point A, someone else tries to sneak in point B and then the whole thing gets, you know, derailed because everyone's just trying to work in either their own best interest or, you know, the people who give them money's best interests. So I don't know what the solution is, and it's very frustrating, but then what's the solution? I don't know what the solution is, and I work in healthcare, and I don't know what the healthcare solution is. I, you know, I just don't know, and it's really frightening. And again, I will say, you know, drop the abortion and the gay marriage and the women's rights shit, and then I will talk to you about healthcare, and I will discuss Anything else that is important to you, you just have to let that other shit go because it's, you know, we're a modern society and that it doesn't need to be part of, you know, the law. Everyone should just be able to marry, you know, sort from like a goat. Everyone's like, oh, well, if you men can marry men, then can a man marry a goat? No, obviously not. Um, That's a really uh, demeaning comparison. I hate it when people make that, uh, draw those. Men or goats? Draw, no, the... Um, oh. When someone says, oh, well, if you allow two guys to marry, well, you're going to allow people to marry animals. I'm like, are you saying that two guys getting married is akin to a person marrying an animal? Like, that's kind of a crappy thing to say. 
uh, about people who want to mm-hmm. get married. Oh, I think many people would marry their dogs. <laughs> well, I don't care dog. if they would. <laughs> very handsome. Don't care as long as the dog consents. <laughs> <laughs> but can they consent? No, That's they the can't. I don't think that they could sign the paper. I don't, I don't know. think so. Yeah, well, not, I haven't seen any groups of consenting dogs <laughs> before. <laughs> no. Maybe this will work on next. Um, you know, you said a couple interesting things in there. Um, you were talking about uh, you made a point about be, it being an unfair and unjust world, so to speak, uh, where those uh, where bad things tend to happen to good people, and and then essentially good things tend to happen to bad people, and you see those types of injustices um, and, and things like that. And I, I I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seemed to you seem to say that you lean left um, because someone has to keep those. Uh, the people from taking advantage, so to speak, um, in check. Would would that be a fair statement? I think so. Yeah. I don't think that anyone's doing really a great job, but something has to be in place to, you know, defend people who are most vulnerable. Um, You know, and if you believe that a team is only as strong as its weakest player, you know, the country's only as strong as its, you know, least or as strong as its weakest people. Um, And there has to be something to either provide those people with resources to become productive members of society, or there has to be something to prevent those people from procreating all the time and just feeding into the cycle. As someone who I like a lot, you, I don't know if you will or not, because somehow he's labeled as a far right extremist, but even though he's not, Old JP. Um, yeah, J- Jordan Peterson. <laughs> I mean, he talks extensively about how um, you know there are people that stack up at the bottom, and someone there has to be a voice for those um, people that stack up at the bottom. So, would you say that you're you're motivated? Um, it sounds like you're saying you're motivated by those um, who need a voice, uh, those who who maybe are stacked up at the bottom who can't get ahead. And so you, you would say you lean left because you think um, there needs to be some policies in place um, and government does have a job to help those um, who stack up at the bottom, so to speak. Yeah, I think that's totally fair to say um, and to take from what I just said. It's very a nice, succinct way to put it. I did work the past two nights, so... <laughs> I'm a little rambly and a little tired. Oh, that's okay. I, I was just trying to like, you know, I wanted to clarify. Yes. You know, see if that's a fair position um, from what yeah, I think that's totally fair. And I will add to that. I genuinely don't like people. I really, I don't have high hopes for humanity and, you know, I'm not coming from a place of like, I love all people and I want all people to succeed and blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I hate everyone. I really do. And <laughs> I'm in the wrong career for my personality. My next question honestly. was what made you decide to become a nurse? <laughs> <laughs> the money. <laughs> um, you know, that's a whole other conversation about why I'm a nurse. But uh, I just think... Everyone's life would be better if the people who are quote unquote at the bottoms lives were better. I've my she's like an acquaintance from high school and I 
she has a private Twitter and she tweets some of the most <laughs> ridiculous things. But one of the things she said was, I vote Democrat because I don't want to see poor people around me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, that's really mean and pretty fucked up. But, you know, the country would, you know, function better and, you know, be cleaner if we just kind of like lifted everyone up and like, you know, food and shelter on my, I've had to like step over homeless people outside my front door trying to get to work. Um, I've had to actually call like the non-emergency police line to get back into my apartment because there's like someone sleeping next to a crack pipe outside my door and I, I can't get into my apartment. So Amy couldn't get to your crack pipe. I couldn't. My crack pipe was upstairs. I didn't have a gun and I was totally helpless. <laughs> um, and it's the other thing. I'm sure you guys will agree on this, too, or I would assume you will, is, you know, we spend all this money in taxes and I'm like, where the fuck is it going? Nothing around me is functioning better. Nothing around me looks better. Pennsylvania has like the worst potholes in the country or they're up there it's like you know where where is it going and i don't know and i i don't think really that that democrats winning is going to help me see where my money's going or anything like that but again my priorities are you know the social stuff first um getting people taken care of it makes my job easier too honestly and again then let's have a conversation about meeting back in the middle like once those things are taken care of i'm gonna completely shift gears here real yes. quick before you wrap up um <clears throat> and nate can edit this around if he wants to at the beginning you mentioned because i forgot to ask this question at the beginning you mentioned your dad is an immigrant from england um and uh and you, you're, you kind of have a little bit of your beliefs um, from your Nana being part of the Blitz um, and, and making sure that that doesn't happen again. Uh, you know, can you describe your, your childhood or maybe your adolescent years? Uh, did you grow up with both of your parents being liberal? Was it kind of, I know, I know you said in, in, you know, Sunday school, it was always talked about, you know, not letting the Holocaust happen. So there's a fear there were what else do you would you consider influenced um your political leanings growing up that's a really interesting question because my parents made it a point not to talk to me about their political beliefs um until i was of voting age my my parents didn't tell me who they were voting for like as a kid um and they kind of, I, I think they just wanted to see like where I would fall <laughs> and then, you know, have conversations with me from there. I remember having, you know, long car rides probably to, to and from Flyers games with my dad talking about current events in the world and in the country. And if I remember correctly, I think my point of view was like, fuck all the other countries. We need to worry about ourselves. Like, why are we over in these other countries 
when like we have plenty of problems over here that need to be, you know, addressed and taken care of. And that was when, you know, he would step in because he's from another country (laughs) and he has that perspective about, you know, what America is to the rest of the world. Um, the ideals that America stands for, their, you know, perceived duty to the planet about, you know, the the right or the wrong way to govern or, you know, you know, making sure that people have basic rights elsewhere. Um, so that's, you know, foreign policy, I think, is the only thing that my dad and I would ever talk about politically, just because he has the has the right to that opinion because he saw America from an outside perspective. Um, one of the things that he did always say to me and that he still says is that you don't have the right to an opinion unless you've been in that position or you've lived it. Um, that's really hard <laughs> when you're trying to make big decisions for huge groups of people because not everyone's led no one's led the same life as someone else. So everyone's priorities are different. Everyone's perspectives are different. Um, so my dad will say, like, I don't have a right to talk about birth control because I never took it. I'm never going to take it. Um, and, you know, my mom doesn't have the right to talk about what it's like to be a gun owner because she doesn't mm-hmm. own a gun. She's never bought a gun. Shit like that. So that was kind of where my parents were coming from growing up. It was like, you know, stay open minded. Don't don't think you have a right to an opinion just because you're thinking something like if you don't have an actual experience in it, then you really don't have much to add to the conversation to learn from other people. Um, now it is completely different. Like every time I go over to my parents' house, it's like a <laughs> my mom and I just, you know, violently agreeing <laughs> with each other to the point of like yelling and having to kind of step away because <laughs> we're so pissed or we're so scared. But yeah, it's, I'm glad you brought that up because I really didn't have that many conversations with my parents growing up about politics. But another thing I do remember is I had this friend since I was four years old. She's one of the ones that left me for Catholic school in third grade. And for some reason, when we were like 11 or 12, we were talking about abortion (laughs) and she was like, it's wrong. It's murder. You know, you should never, no one should ever do it. It should be illegal. And I had never even had a conversation with anyone about abortion before. I feel like I had a very limited view of what it even was as a tween. And I, at the time I was like, well, I don't think I would do it, but is it any of our business if other people do it? Um, and I think that point of view as a child is why my dad told me I was a libertarian last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, be a libertarian. I might be a libertarian, but I'm not right now. <laughs> we know. <laughs> That's I'm, what I yes, like to call it. I'm everyone. liberty curious. Um, That's a good way to put I, it. I would say just because right. of the style of this podcast, this isn't really um, directed at you, but when it comes to abortion and things like that, the way that I like to think about it, because I don't agree with, a lot of the right and what they want to do with abortion. But I do try to think about it in the framework that a lot of them do. Um, For instance, if you truly like 
in your heart believed that abortion was the same thing as murder, like you thought it was the same thing, and you didn't, you didn't see any difference in it, then that, that's how I try to look at a, at a, a lot of the people who hold the beliefs, because uh, whether or not I agree with them on, on all of that, I, I can give them a little bit of slack as people, at least, in the same way that anyone else who would be fighting for uh, murder to be illegal in any kind of way, um, that that might be how they, that that might be how they see it. And so that is conversations I've had with, with other people before that, uh, you know, I know they're super right wing on, on these issues, but imagine like if, if you truly thought that this was the same thing as murder. Now, if you truly thought it was, you'd be advocating the death penalty and that's not a very common thing. Um, it is. It, it exists, but it's not a super common thing, which means you don't think it's the exact same thing as murder. But anyway, uh, we'll <laughs> we'll push past that. But that's just a way, um, just an example of um, me trying to think of people's beliefs and exactly where they're coming from on them. There are a lot of people I think who are trying to uh, who like the control factor and who like to control the morals and like to enact the Bible on people and and things like that. And I think there are some people who um just truly actually believe that the, they don't see a difference between that and murder so when they talk about abortion they're literally thinking along the same lines as wouldn't i advocate that murder be illegal in the first place also also and and so i try to give some people like some people in my family and, and things like that a, a little bit of benefit of the doubt and just that they're not you know, like these evil controlling terrible people who just want to run people's lives mm -hmm. any more than me advocating that murder should be illegal is me trying to control the actions of, of other people. Um, I have that same argument with my mom as well. I mean, she truly believes that it's a life and that you're killing it. And, you know, while I think abortion, uh, I don't think abortion is good, obviously. Uh, I, what I think is I don't think people ask why enough. Why do people, why do some women make the decision to get an abortion or some families, right? What are, what are their reasonings? And I think that if you, when you continue to dig to the bottom of all these issues, I, I think all the social issues, economic issues, uh, anything like that, when you start asking why, it's really, it's not really a law problem or something the government necessarily needs to have purview over. Um, in my opinion, I, I think as you dig deeper, it's really, uh, people. I mean, it could be economic reasons. It could be uh, for poverty. It could be for safety and health. There's all kinds of reasons. And I think if you, you'll never actually solve the problem of people not having abortions, if you don't solve the problems with the reasons that they get them. Uh, so like, I think if you, if you are able to uh, provide the things necessary that for women to get to a certain place in life where that they never have to make that decision, then then you're actually solving the problem and you're not just making it illegal um, where, you know, now mothers are being punished for, you know, making a decision. So I, I think in all these situations, you know, I asked you earlier, like what, um, you know, why do you think these types of things happen? I think a lot of people, both on the left and the right, they don't ask that question enough. They don't ask why enough. Well, that's why these conversations are so important to have, especially right now, because, you know, it's just so polarized and we are only looking at people's 
end result, you know, like who are you voting for and not what happened in your life that brought you to this point. And that's why I'm happy to be having this conversation with you guys right now. And I think it's important and whether or not anyone agrees with me on anything or everything or somewhere in the middle of what I said, I hope that I relayed that I'm just, you know, a person trying to get through life and I want my life to be better. I want my life to be, you know, less fearful. And I want the people around me to do better, which in turn, honestly, makes my job easier as a nurse. So (laughs) it's a little selfish in that regard to vote the way that I do. But I think that a lot of people are voting for their own best interest. And, you know, that makes a lot of sense because, you know, what's going to actually affect me, what's not going to affect me, what's going to make my life better, what's going to make my life harder. And, you know, you vote that way. And the other thing now that I'm you know, thinking about it is my dad always said, you look at the candidate who you agree with the most on. You're never going to agree with someone 100 percent. And you're never going to disagree with someone 100% either. There's always going to be something there that you can find common ground on. But who do you align with the most? And for me, in this election cycle, I can't abide by that because I feel like the middle, the Libertarian Party, just I just don't think it has a chance to win. And I feel like if the other side, you know, I'm voting against the other side, unfortunately, and I hate to vote that way. And I've never voted that way before, whether or not you agree with me. I was like gung ho for Hillary. I was gung ho for Obama. And, you know, I'm not like gung ho for Biden. Is anyone really like, look at the guy, listen to the guy. I haven't met anyone that is gung ho for Biden (laughs) at all. I mean, Kamala's not even doing a good job faking it. So (laughs) it's like, I just feel like we need to overcorrect a little bit and then kind of revisit. And I've said that a million times, so I won't keep saying it. I just think that these are good conversations to have humanizing people behind, you know, what the end product is, which is, you know, who they vote for, which political party they belong to. I think, you know, you made, well, first of all, you made several good, really good points in this conversation, but two, I, you know, I, to kind of wrap it up here, I found some interesting things about this conversation. One, you didn't want to burn anybody's houses down or see anybody's lives really destroyed. So I think that's a positive thing uh, for sure. Although she finds out where Trump's house is after he moves out of the white house. We don't know for sure. I don't know. He's never going to move out of the White House. He's an insane person. He's going to live there forever. We're going to have to build something new. Right. <laughs> that's okay. I think the there, capital, it's fine. We'll go somewhere else. I think the capital should be in South Kansas anyway. That's really where I think it should be. It should be in the, yeah. middle, it should be in the middle of the country. Right in the middle of the country. Uh, right in the middle. Yeah. Okay, whatever. I don't really care. Uh, <laughs> Two, I think you made some other um, interesting points throughout the conversations, uh, throughout the conversation. Not that they, that you don't want to burn anybody house. Not that you just don't want to burn anybody's house down, but also that you uh, made a selfish point, which I think a lot of people shy away from. Um, but something we talk about all the time, it's actually an, an Ayn Rand principle, is that uh, you really talked about wanting safety and not living in fear. Um, and you wanted uh, selfishly for the people around you and, and for your life to be better. But I, I think if every 
when everybody thinks that way, um, which we all inherently do, then if everyone wants themselves and their family and their community to be safe, well, then that takes care of the whole country as a whole. Um, and so I found that interesting as well. And then also that, that it seems as, although you don't like people, which I don't either. I mean, most, most people you come and come in contact with, you're like, I like people way less than you guys. I promise. Right. Right. Oh, I can't imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm pretty extroverted. I get along with most people, but there are, you know, I understand the introverted side. Cause I'm, I'm sometimes I'm just like, I just want to stay in my house and not go anywhere. It seems like you genuinely want the best for people. Um, and you want the best for yourself and you want safety. And I think when we all boil it down to who we are as human beings, that's, that's actually all of our priority is we want to feel safe and we want to, you know, enjoy our life to the best of our ability. And the, the, unfortunately in our political uh, climate nowadays, we're arguing over the best way to get there. Uh, but it's taken a turn to, if you don't believe the way I do about how to get there, then uh, you're the enemy. And, and I think conversations like this turns that on its head and says, look, we're, we're all humans here. And we all kind of want the same things. Yeah, I hope I hope it helps. And whether or not it, you know, affects how people vote, I hope that it just, you know, creates some respect. And then I guess to wrap things up, Stephanie would kill me if I didn't mention our podcast, the Make It Work podcast is on, you know, iTunes or Apple Podcasts and Spotify and everywhere else. And when we're not talking about sex, we are talking about issues like this and how two people from different you know, lives kind of make their friendship work when we don't agree on everything. Interesting. Steph's a, Steph's a Catholic. <laughs> Crazy. I you just keep surrounding family? myself with Catholics. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Great. Uh, it was great talking to you, Morgan, as always. You guys enjoyed this episode of the Rehumanizing Project from Good Morning Liberty. Please hit subscribe. There will be a new episode every Sunday when we want to. And of course, please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty. You can get this episode on Friday instead of Sunday and join our podcast live every single day of the week. Until next time, have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. <laughs>